What's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of the podcast, episode 15 of Cast a Podcast with Ronnie Moore. And today is a different kind of podcast. I've got a special guest. I feel the need to say the most special guest of them all that I could ever have forever. I've reached the pinnacle. I've reached the peak. I can't have a more important guest on the podcast than today's guest. And uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and introduce it. I've got my beautiful wife, Miss Sarah Moore, as the guest on today's podcast, because today we're going to talk about life uh, that she has married into the bass fishing world, uh, what it's like to be the wife of Ronnie Moore. Does she actually get to have a word in edgewise? We will get all of those answers today on the podcast, Um, but hey, what's up, babe? How are you? I'm good. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here with Ronnie. I'm very excited to be on this podcast too. It's like a long time coming it is. for you. <laughs> You're like every day for the last three months. When are we going to do a podcast? I know. When are we going to do a podcast? And we're here. And I was trying to use the quarantine excuse as the reason we weren't doing it, but quarantining only allows us to be together even more. So that's a terrible excuse. So yeah. here we are. Um, so to give a little background for y'all, we are, um, I guess what you could say, high school sweethearts. Yes. We met my senior year of high school, her junior year, and uh, we ended up going to the same uh, university together, and it's been almost a decade that we've spent together. In February, it was nine years that we have been dating, and we've been married almost four years. It'll be four years in July. So we started dating in 2011 and we got married in 2016. So you're doing great so far. You know, I'm all right. I'm doing, I'm getting all the dates, (laughs) all the dates, right. July 16th, 2016 was our marriage date. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. We started dating, uh, February, uh, 26. Yes. <laughs> I got there was so many dates flashed through my mind there. February 1st is her birthday, February 14th Valentine's Day. It was a rough I, month was, in Ronnie Moore's world. Yes, yes. Before we got married, it was it was pretty tough because it was her birthday, 2 weeks later Valentine's Day, 2 weeks later anniversary. It was a uh, let's just say I had 11 months, for- 11 months of saving for one month of spending. Yeah, but. It was a dream for the girl though. I got celebrated for a month straight, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But good reason though. It wasn't just your birthday month. It was everything month. So uh we've we've uh experienced a lot together. We have gone from, you know, high school kids to dating in college, um, to getting married, to moving to another state, to changing jobs, to to doing all kinds of stuff. And uh when you spend when you put it in perspective, I'm twenty six and in a half, basically, 26 and a half. She's 26, and we have gone almost a decade together. So we've got, you know, over a third of our life together, which is crazy to think, but it has been a a lot of time, a lot of growth, and a lot of change. And so we're going to talk probably for the next 30 minutes or so just about um, different key moments and how we manage as a married couple, uh, maybe some advice for dating people. We're not perfect and whatnot, but I think we do have a pretty fantastic marriage. Um, and there's a couple keys to that. So 
Uh, Sarah, do you have anything to say before you want before we kind of jump into stuff? Just excited to share with all the people. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. First day you saw Ronnie Moore, Spanish class. What'd you think? Well, I thought you were cute, but I was kind of like, mm, talks a lot. But then he sat beside me, and then I just thought he was cute. <laughs> and nine years later, she says, "Ah, oh, he's still cute, but he's he still, still talks a lot. He still talks a lot." <laughs> So, yeah, to give perspective, we uh, she met me and I met her yeah. the fall semester of uh, my senior year, her junior year, yeah. and it was Spanish class, uh, was the class we had together. Yeah. We have lived within five miles of each other since fifth grade, and we didn't know each other until our senior year, my senior year until of school. Until that day of class. Until I that day of class. Were. And so, um, puts it in perspective, keeps me humble. <laughs> knowing that we grew up in a small town, she didn't know who I was at all. So now, as I work with Bassmaster, we do more stuff. People don't know who I am. I just expect nobody to know who I am. And so when someone does, it's surprising. But um, Spanish class, uh, I also broke my ankle and didn't... We had a lot of stuff going on then. We, uh, I broke my ankle, didn't get to play basketball my senior year. Mm-hmm. I was shooting video for the football team. They were going through a lot of crazy stuff. So side side story here. Our football team played in one of the toughest conferences. Our, all of our athletics, the CPC conference was a big-time conference in our state. And we, we had a pretty big school because we only had one high school in our mm-hmm. county. So everyone went there. And so we would play the Charlotte schools. We were we were one of the most populated schools. So we played a lot of big schools uh, that can pull people from a lot of places. And we we just had our county. So we had a tough football season. We went five and six in our eleven games. But because we had the hardest schedule in the state, we snuck in and we were like the last seed or something, or we were like one of the lower seeds to make the tournament, uh, the playoffs. And this was also in the middle of the season. The coach kind of sat the whole team down and was like, if you're not all in, you're all out. And we lost like a quarter of our football team walked away. So we had less players than ever before. Uh, Players playing both sides of the ball. Ended up barely making the playoffs with a tough schedule, a below 500 record. And then we made it to the state championship game. So that was super cool. That was something going on. And so this leads in, you're probably like, why does this have anything? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't play football. What are you doing? Uh, well, this leads in that the icebreaker conversation that I had with Sarah, because we were in class. Obviously, it starts in you know, August. August, late August, mm-hmm. early September. And football playoffs aren't until you know November, you know December probably. Uh, probably November. Well, I walked in and we were in the middle of football season. And so Sarah's wearing a necklace. That's a number 12 necklace. And I said, you like the starting quarterback Carson? And she's like, no, number 12 is my softball number. I was like, cool. Number 12 is my basketball (laughs) number, which is, those are all truths. I wasn't just making it up. Um, like I said, she didn't know who I was, so she wouldn't be wearing a necklace because of me, but the starting quarterback for the football team, you never know. (laughs) So, that's how we broke the ice, and uh, so that was cool. We shared the same number when we played sports, mm-hmm. and um, and that's kind of how I broke the ice with her. But 
we didn't really do it until we broke up into little groups in Spanish class. And poor Macy, she had to put up with us. We there was a we always split into this group. It was Ronnie, myself, and Macy, and she had to put up with me being like, "Oh, I like Ronnie. Oh, I like Ronnie." She's always the third wheel. <laughs> poor <And> lady. <laughs> one day, one day in class, I guess Macy wasn't there, so we split up, and it was just the two of us in a group and. This is when Sarah was coming on to Ronnie, <laughs> hot and heavy over here, and she we played uh, Hangman. We got done with our works. So we played Hangman, and she gave a hint to what the blanks were. She said, "It's it's the person I like." I was real cool, guys, real smooth. And I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, my name has six letters in it, but. I'm not gonna guess my name, <laughs> so I guess like every letter other than what's in the in the word Ronnie, and uh, finally I I got hung and she said, "You're so dumb, it's it's you." And she wrote my name out, and I was like, uh, uh. "Sweet, like I, I, this is this is new territory." Um, and so that was the funny little story that kind of got us going, um, and and started this whole deal. I was actually in a really weird time in high school, wanting to be a cool kid, wanting to, you know, played sports, but I didn't play sports, you know, those kinds of things. And was actually in a very short relationship that kind of opened me up, opened my eyes to some of the things that happened in high school that just wasn't exposed to, you know, the stuff that, you know, premarital sex or alcohol, parties, all those things. I just never did, I've never done those things. And so, when you have someone that you start, you know, dating or or whatnot, and those things are offered, it, it kind of just opens your eyes, and you kind of had to figure it out from there. And so I was like, I am just got out of the weirdest short relationship ever. I do not want to date these crazy women in Davie <laughs> County. And then Sarah's like, I like you, and I was like, Wow, this lady is just as forward as the last one is. <laughs> And, Which uh, is very out of character for me, if you know me. <laughs> at least back then, yeah, back new, then, new Sarah or different Sarah, matured Sarah is, uh, I would say, pretty different than people yeah, would imagine. But I was pretty shy um, then. At her high school re- reunion, uh, coming up in a few years, she will surprise people, <laughs> you know, just with with how uh, open she is now and whatnot. So. That was kind of where I was, and I was like, "Hey, you're really cool." Uh, I love I don't, being your friend. I but. don't know if I want to date anybody right now, you know. Plus, I'm going to college in like six months, and Sarah's like, "But that's like a whole six months." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's only six months, you know." Like, you know, and so. So I quietly, like Ronnie said before, he broke his ankle, so I just kept on keeping on. I'd walk him to his truck. He left for fourth period because he didn't have one, and I went to lunch. So we just kept on being friends yeah she was a, and I, a it's great like friend. the the i love the show new girl and winston always say just be there so i just i was just there <laughs> she was all the just, time <laughs> she was just there and uh, i ended up asking her out to prom in january then we uh had a little valentine's day or asked her out to prom in january mm-hmm. february 1st i ran across the street to the Food line. Uh, food line and got her some ice cream for her birthday, took it to her in the parking lot of the school, gave it to her. It probably melted before it got home because <laughs> it was, it was, I feel like it was hot, 
but it was February 1st, so I don't know if it was hot or not. It's probably just... I feel like that whole parking lot, that parking lot... The, <laughs> it was that, just a sauna. Yeah, the parking lot was just like <laughs> the desert abyss. Like, it's a mirage. There's a line of cars, but you can't see them because of the thing. That's how it always felt. But, um, and then and then we had a Valentine's Day date somewhat. She came over to my Air house. My parents weren't home. Her parents weren't home. And she came over to my house and sat on the couch and watched Everybody Loves Raymond with me until she went to softball tryouts. And so that was uh, funny yet awkward, which we'll always remember this Ronnie episode. Moore, yeah, you got to tell them what episode it is. Uh, the episode was when Raymond is spinning his wedding ring on the table in like incessantly, like just over yeah. and over and over. And someone's like, you're going to lose that thing. No, it'll be fun. Spins off the table, goes in that air vent. He has to end up using a coat hanger that he straightens out, <laughs> sticking a Snickers yes. or a Milky Way or something on it that's broken off, and the sticking the caramel uh, to the ring to get it through the vent. So we'll never forget that episode. But that's how it, this whole deal started. And I asked her out, you know, two weeks later or whatever. At and the airport. At the airport. Yeah, we had a little airport in my neighborhood, <laughs> and uh, I told her to come to the airport. And um, so that's how we all got started. But the rest is history. One thing that's uh, interesting is I want you to give them your background um, with your relationship with God. I want, you know, as, yeah, as briefly brief or yeah. but but like, I, you know, my my reference is I, I would have been saved since I was nine or ten years old. So at this time in high school, I was a Christian, which impacted and influenced a lot of the decisions like not dating people or getting out of relationships because of things they were asking. Stuff I mentioned earlier, like that's one reason why. So for you, though, you were... You were a little different than I was. Yeah. Um, I had, still a great person, though. Yeah. So I had grown up. We, it's kind of interesting. We, my grandmother was a secretary at a church. So I was kind of always at church, but never really at church. We were just kind of, they'd pick us up from school and we'd just hang out there until she got off work. But we were definitely a family that was just like Easter and Christmas um, only going to church and not really much at home, if anything. Um, we went to, summer camp, summer church camp that my great-grandparents owned when I was younger, but never really had, like, a relationship with God, I would say, and so probably late high school when we met, I kind of believed that there was some higher power, but not really sure what it was. Um, like Ronnie said, I was, I thought I was a pretty morally good person, um, but didn't have any kind of relationship um, or a kind of faith. So when we went to college, we, um, I'll back up in late high school, right before you left, probably I went to church or at least Sunday school with you a few times over the summer and stuff and met, um, Meredith and Ryan Showalter who actually Ryan married us. But then we went to college and I'd say, I can't remember exactly when I probably our freshman year we went to freshman or my freshman or sophomore year we started going to ignite church in greenville north carolina and just kind of went every sunday we didn't have a super like great community thing we really only knew the pastor and the worship pastor but um i just kind of started learning and started asking ronnie a lot of questions and kind of really questioning that faith of like well you know i've had these experiences and they you know they're out of the ordinary kind of what is this stuff meaning and then really learning these stories that like a lot of kids 
knew that I did not. And so anyway, my sophomore year of college, I accepted Christ and also got baptized and just kind of had this, for me, huge shift in my faith and how I viewed life and how I even viewed our relationship. I'd kind of viewed it as this, you know, morally good. We had agreed not to like abstain from sex until marriage and like all these things that to me just sounded morally right. And then when I accepted Christ and really understood more, it made a lot more sense as to why these decisions had been made and why to stay stand firm in them. And does that answer your question? It does. It does. Uh, I, I, you didn't include the part where every single Sunday after church, we'd go to your spot, Olive Garden, and we would end up oh. talking uh, <laughs> yes, yes. more deeply. He always about, took me to... Yes. We talked over... Um, Fettuccine Alfredo of minestrone soup. Yes, yes, and breadsticks. <laughs> and breadsticks. On breadsticks. Bread so <laughs> we kept Olive Garden in business. <laughs> we're, we'll be super thankful forever for Ignite Church. Jason, the pastor there, they yeah. actually broke ground. They were working so hard. They had so a convention cool. center. The Greenville Convention Center was where they met. So that's why we didn't have a big community type deal because there wasn't a Sunday school. It was just mm-hmm. a service. They, just they encouraged people. Sundays. They encouraged people to get together weekly throughout the week, whatever is best with you. And we had so much stuff going on with school and works that we we didn't know anybody that was really connected to encourage us to get connected more. And so that's something we always desired, though. That's something I had in high school, Mm -hmm. uh, close with my youth group and and Sunday school class and whatnot, and did a lot of things with them uh, outside of the Sunday and Wednesday. So we wanted that. We just... As college, there's so much turnover in churches and college towns that it's really hard to, for them, it's it really is God's work overall, but it's mm-hmm. really tough for those churches. So, like you I, said, I applaud them for doing you, that. But um, as Ronnie was saying, breaking ground, they broke ground, or actually built their building. I think finished it last year and opened up. If I'm right, I might correct myself if I'm wrong. But I actually really kind of fully understood and accepted Christ through we were doing Nehemiah, which is like a pretty traditional building a church. That's kind of a study you do with your um, congregation, but really affirmed my faith. And I can remember that kind of accepting that process as we're going through this study of like, wow, the Lord is really with us every step of the way and making a path for you. Even when it seems hard or out of the norm. Um, So, yeah. I hope one day that we can go back to Greenville, mm-hmm. uh, not only to go visit the church, because um, that'll always be a special place. You know, like they they baptized Sarah in a like blow up swimming <laughs> yeah. pool in the convention center in the middle of service, and it was so epic. Was just awesome. just because if you are saved and you know what it means to you to see someone you love get saved and baptized. I don't care if it's in a mud puddle outside. It is one of the coolest moments in the world. Um, For your public profession of faith. Just to to have people that don't know you and mm-hmm. they're supporting you um, with emotion is, is super cool. And I feel like I saw it and could repicture it, but I had so many tears in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know some details, but I do have one photo from it, and I'm super thankful that I try to document things, and I took that photo because it – We'll always have it. But um, so, Sarah, what would you say has been key in our marriage uh, over the last three plus years and, and over the nine years of our relationship? 
what sticks out to you as a few things that that are super crucial to other to our relationship but that would be crucial to other relationships that that people should probably focus on yeah i would say our our biggest one we've always been really i say really good really good communicators um where especially me like we've both grown obviously as we've been together for a long time but even early on something that ronnie hasn't touched on yet we we were apart a lot of our relationship. So me being a year behind in school obviously meant that he went off to college first and we were apart for a year. And then we both, well, so I had clinical hours and he worked a bunch of jobs. We weren't always around each other. And then he got his Bassmaster job and was traveling tons of weeks a year um, initially. And we were just apart a lot, but we did a good job at communicating and making sure that we were on the same page even if we were you know a time change difference or whatever it was um that's been a huge one for us and especially in this season of life now that when he moved to Arkansas and then I was still living in North Carolina working we were just able to communicate and be like this is where we are we're still good in this and having that um that faith to rely on was a huge factor, especially once we got married and then he traveled a lot and we moved away. Um, but that's probably the biggest one for us is communication. And then I'd say the second one is that um, your spouse being your best friend. Um, Ronnie truly is my best friend and I want to share every bit of my life with him. Um, that's a huge I guess part of just wanting to live life together, wanting to serve together, wanting to be kind of always around each other and working on our goals together. He's a huge factor in pushing me and I feel like I'm a great support system for him in that. Um, And then obviously our faith is a huge key in that we're kind of on the same path at all times that we're always focused on the Lord. And if we kind of ever shift away from that, especially like right now, it's a kind of a hard time in the world that we are kind of realigning and refocusing each other, pulling back into that um, key factor that keeps our marriage strong. It keeps both of our individual lives strong and keeps our community strong. So remind me of the faith in just a moment, because I'm going to touch on, uh, communication is obviously huge. I'm. I feel like I'm a great communicator. On, uh, maybe these are my intentions. This is my goal. Here's our plans. Mm-hmm. This is what we're gonna do. Maybe not scheduling out an entire calendar or something, yeah. but like, if I've got two minutes to spare, I'm gonna use those two minutes to call and give give her a heads up if I'm doing something or. Or just kind of, it's just also burden delegation almost. Mm-hmm. So that's a weird phrase, but burden delegation, in my opinion, is like there are burdens you both share. There are burdens that you share individually that are bo- about both people. There are burdens that you share individually that are about yourself. And it's just knowing which burdens to to bear on your own and share. Um, like a lot of our bills that we pay, I I keep track of our mm-hmm. finances um, because Sarah might not mentally do great with the stress of seeing what the bank account looks like or what's due here, what's due there. How do we Knowing work, your strengths work a little other. harder and know, know how much money we need to maybe pay a little bit more this month or we need to save a little bit more, that kind of stuff. And I'm not the best at it, but 
that's just one example of that. And, and Sarah takes a lot of burdens off of me. Like I was telling her during this quarantine stuff, I was like, yeah, life is very similar for us. No extracurriculars, but we both go into work. But the fact that she's taking time to keep track of the news and knowing when stuff's shutting down or if stuff's shutting down or the times of things that are open and going to the grocery store and getting that stuff, she's making our life easier. And it's just, oh, it's just going to the grocery store. But it's more than that because that's not on my radar. And I don't know if I was a single guy right now, how I would be doing, you know, stocked up, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of what one thing with the communication factor. It's not just always talking to talk. It's about what you're talking about, how you're talking and getting the most done with the words that you're saying. So the second one that she said was, being best friends with your spouse. Now, it's important for guys, especially that are listening. You got to have other. You got to have other guy yes, friends. Yes. Uh, your wife or your girlfriend being your best friend does not replace having a best guy Correct. friend. Like it is very important to have guys, uh, not to talk about your wives or not to gossip or anything like that. But guys know what guys go through. Guys know the pressures of being the man of the house or whatever. And so it's important to be able to have those couple close guys that you can talk to, but you also have to know your circle and know if those guys are rooted in the same things you're rooted in because they can often deter or break up relationships uh, because their goals are different than yours. So that's one thing I'll say there, but um, I think a good aspect of that, you might want to touch on this later. We um, are in a life group. We lead a life group with another couple, Uh, Megan and Daniel, shout out, and Noah. But um, those are couples that we're living life with, and all of those wives are friends and huge supporters and advocates of my marriage that I can lean on, and those husbands are the same for Ronnie. And we have other friends outside of that too that are really strong and we're close with, but those are people that know our struggles every week. They know what our at like our um goals are and they're rooting for us in that but also challenging us and making sure that we're always focused on our marriage and so we're very thankful for that aspect of those people outside your marriage and so what i was also going to say is for any guys on here or girls uh girls communicate differently but guys if you're dating someone this is how you know that they're the one is when you do something that means something to you, you accomplish something, you get some good news, and you no longer, I have a great relationship with my parents. If they're listening, they're probably like, well, he doesn't call us anymore. Well, (laughs) that's true. I'm grown up, so I don't call them as much as I used to. But I'd say overall, for the first 18, 20 years of my life, me and my parents have a great relationship together. Uh, I love them and trust them and have learned a lot from them. And and have openly spoken to them about how I feel about things. So we have a great relationship. But when that moment came when I'd have something awesome happen and Sarah became the first person that I wanted to tell, not that I didn't want to tell my parents or I would tell them, but the first call you make or the first text you do is to your your boyfriend or girlfriend, that's when you know that they're the one because it's not just... Um, it, it, that's when your relationship develops even more. That's when you 
are wanting to share those moments with each other. And when you want to share those moments is when you, when you can share any moment with them. And, and that's obviously, it's easy to share your successes, but if it was like, Hey, I got in a car accident, like whatever it is, Sarah was one of the first people I told, you know, those types of things. And so, um, even if I didn't have to, like I get, I get pulled over and I get let off with a warning. I call her like five minutes later and like, Hey, just heads up. I got pulled over, but I didn't get a, I didn't get a ticket. And, um, not like I'm confessing anything, but it's just keeping them in the loop with what's going on in your life so they can keep you in between the lines as well. They're your accountability partner. For sure. Accountability partner is great. Great with it. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, those are a couple of the key things. And I think we're on, we're on, uh, the same page with that. Now, what do you say, Sarah? Cause there's, this is a huge, a huge thing in Christianity and especially Baptists and whatnot. Uh, faith is don't marry someone or don't date someone. That's not the same, uh, value. No, uh, spiritual walk they're not the same they don't believe the same thing you do or or whatever you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. non-christians dating christians getting in relationships like that it's always that interesting topic it's almost like does the freezer make the okay if you put hot meat in a freezer does the hot meat make the freezer warmer or does the freezer make the hot meat colder it's one of those things that transfer that's how i always like thought of as an analogy if you put something hot in a freezer does it make that freezer hotter or does it the freezer make the the hot object colder and i feel like that is how sometimes faith is uh, because christians can often be perceived as super nice people giving um but also perceived as weak because they're so nice or they're willing to do for others they're not confrontational sometimes they're supposed to be nice because Jesus was nice so they tend to like sometimes get absorbed into other people who are more demonstrative and whatnot so i guess it's the perfect storm of christians is if you're a demonstrative person like i am and then you're nice you know the christianity makes you nice. no i'm just kidding but with that being said, oftentimes if you're a non-Christian or if you're a Christian dating a non-Christian and they're tired and don't want to go to church on a Sunday, you're going to stay in bed with them, which is probably – or you're not going to get up and go. You know, If you're married and your your wife isn't a Christian and you are, you're more likely to stay in bed and not go to church if they don't want to. Um and it's probably even more so the other way around where, you know, if the girl's a Christian and the guy's not, it's the girl, I feel, will go to church. And then it causes a riff in the marriage because the girl's wanting the guy to go to church, wanting the guy, whereas the guy will just negate. That's kind of a long way of talking about it. But when you're both pulling in different directions or your goals are oriented and your eyes are focused in different on different things, it pulls you. So there's a stigma with that. And I will fight against that to the end of time because my thought is if we're not trying to win people for Christ and we're only supposed to date each other, we're not growing the kingdom. Like if we, if I would have only sought out Christian girls, you might not be a Christian today. You might have found Jesus, you know, the same time at a different school by a different person. Who knows? God had that plan. He knows. But that might not always work that way. And so I'm interested to see what your thoughts are now that you work at a church, 
that you're you are a Christian, but when we started our relationship, we were, you were not for yeah. for the first three years. And I can say, as a believer now, your view shifts a little bit in that, as in when Ronnie and I have have kids, you always want your child to grow up, especially if they're raised in faith and are believers themselves. You want them to find someone with like beliefs because you want them to be able to grow in that spirit together. You never don't want that for somebody. I think how our relationship worked and you meeting me at that time in my life, I wasn't someone that was completely against the faith. I was someone who needed kind of convincing to understand better. Um, But I also think that in our relationship or in anyone's relationship, I wasn't ever pushing against your faith and you weren't ever forcing me into it. I think that's the... I guess the the tilting point for me. If you're in a relationship where someone is pushing forcibly against you where it's changing your faith or vice versa, it's probably not a positive relationship. Our relationship was always Ronnie answering every question I had to the best of his ability. I mean and then telling me that's not an answer I can give you when that was also the answer. But he saw in me that I was asking those questions and was seeking after, I think, the Lord's guidance in that, that, you know, she's a disciple and she is someone that you need to be around, whether or not he, Ronnie thought that in the moment. But I feel, I feel that way and that's how I saw it as you were just leading in a kind hearted way. Um, And also knowing that I was a pretty morally good person. I wasn't somebody who was, crazy <laughs> i don't think i don't know uh, <laughs> but I will, that's how i feel I, I think we can sum that up by every situation is different but at the end of the day you have to know who you are mm-hmm. in high school like they say that this isn't even faith-based this is just as a person you have to know who you are in high school because when you go off to college if you don't know who you are it's that old adage if you don't believe something you'll fall for anything well if you don't know who you are in high school you're going to do a lot of things that aren't in your character in college because you're not stubbornly rooted in what you believe. And this is the one good this is the one time that I'd encourage you to be stubborn is if you do know your way of believing is right um or you know you're all in on Christianity that Jesus came and died and this is the way we need to live and this is the way that you need to live to make your faith grow. Um, because every Christian is going to live their life a little differently. There's little bitty subcategories on debates that even the church folks have within the church. You just have to know who you are and what you can do uh, with what God's given you in order to to lead your life. And with me, I wasn't necessarily pushy, but I was always turning the car in that direction. I was always steering us that way. Because I also knew at the end of the day, if Sarah died tomorrow and I wasn't pushy enough to share share my faith, that I would never see her again and that she would spend eternity in hell. And I wasn't gonna settle for that. Um, but as you know, as a as a kid uh, in a relationship, you're trying to navigate that. But you have to be strong willed, or if you aren't strong willed in your life overall, you need to at least be strong willed in certain aspects of that when you approach a relationship with someone that has different faith views as you. 
I think it's good to focus too on the fact that you're talking about a relationship. I think marriage in that is a whole different aspect because the vows that we made to each other when we were married, I couldn't have made if I was not a believer. So I think that's a big aspect of it's hard to marry someone whose belief differs from you. So I think that's kind of a a halting point if you're in this relationship with someone and it's not looking like it's ever going to be somewhere what you think and what you think God is leading you toward, then you definitely don't need to step into this huge covenant of marriage that's even more of a commitment and lifelong sacrifice than a relationship. And I'll often say that older adults have more of an issue with that than the younger relationships that people date in college or date in high school. We always are perceived as the reckless ones, but we are more willing to learn about each other and do those different things. Whereas if you are going into your second marriage or you're going into uh, your first marriage, but you're in your thirties and you're just getting married, you've lived your life. You've lived a good chunk of your life your way. So changing that for another adult male, you know, if you're a female changing that, um, it's going to be hard to do. And so I could see that being like uh, parent-aged kid people. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm an adult. You're an adult. But like when I, I, describe, <laughs> I describe adults as still mid-30s and up. Um, but yeah, those people who have maybe gotten out of a relationship and then they're dating and that person might have kids or that person's just the same stage of life they are, they're, they've already – They've already set in stone what they want to be like. So they can maybe think they can make it work because their finances line up or they have a big enough house and they like each other's company, but they're willing to miss out on those Sunday morning experiences together because one wants to sleep and one wants to go to church. So that's tough. I'd say high school kids, college kids are more likely to line up with the values or they'll break up uh, more times than not. Um, That's what I've seen. So... We do have, uh, if I remember a couple questions correctly, uh, Kanan Chapman works at the church. He is the youth pastor. I know him from working with uh, the youth Wednesdays and Sundays, and then Sarah obviously works at the church, so she knows Kanan. Kanan asked, if I remember correctly, what made it work, what makes it work, and what will make it work in the future when it comes to our marriage? So that's three questions in one. What made it work with us dating? What makes it work as we're married? And then what will make it work going in the future? Like what do we need to do as a couple to continue to make this work? Um, so I'll say, I'll start and this say what made it work, what made it work was uh, empathy. And if you don't know what empathy empathy is, it's uh, empathy is almost putting yourself in someone else's shoes and relating and understanding what they're going through and and where they are at. I say that because I didn't even know probably as a junior or senior in high school what empathy was, but we were displaying it because we were apart, like Sarah said. So when we were dating, we were apart quite a bit. We probably spent we spent five plus years dating. And of those five years, we were probably around each other 
three of them. Yeah, I'd say. Because we were together for six months. I went to school for a year. We were apart. And then how much time we got to actually spend together in school. And then my last two years, I kind of was Mm -hmm. on the road a lot more. So I'd say, you know, only half a year was spent together there. So empathy made it work because Sarah put herself in my shoes and understood what I was trying to achieve and what my goals were. I understood her as a woman, what she needed from me um, and how I needed to step up. And I think that that's, it's, it's almost like empathy is like a compassion and a caring heart with love for someone, you know, and just being able to relate to them and understand what they're doing. So, um, then that's tough in two different goal centric people's lives that are working towards their careers and their schoolings and things. So I think empathy made it work because we were mature in not being selfish of, I need you here now, and if you're not willing to be at my doorstep in five minutes, we can't be a couple. And it's like we never put ultimatums. We understood where each other were coming from at all times. So I'll ask you, what makes it work now that we're married, three and a half years married, moved to a different state? What makes it work currently? Or what have you seen, at least from me and yourself, change from when we dated to now over these last three and a half years? And these are all, I'm putting her on the spot, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know these pre-podcasts. Um, I would say this isn't as sweet of a word as empathy that Ronnie gave, but I would say flexibility. We've, and this is a lot on myself. I'm a very person who likes things particular and in order and, like he said, having a schedule and knowing what's coming and being prepared. And I've had to extend a lot of grace in that and that I'm not a super flexible person by nature but with the shift in Ronnie's job and the shift in my job I've just gotten a new job so a shift in that and then him traveling him not traveling him being in studio us serving together us serving apart um being in in our community and being a large aspect in our community is just being flexible is what allows us to do all of these things and then come home and be excited still about our marriage and our relationship. Um, That's probably the word that I would give that I think has given us a lot of grace in this. Even though we've been in Arkansas for a couple of years now, it still kind of feels new and fresh and we're still learning our way and the restaurant scene does not though i've been to everywhere 15 (laughs) times (laughs) trying to find some new spots yeah but i think flexibility is a huge just in our jobs in our service mode in our marriage being flexible allows a lot of grace with each other and causes a lot less fights and frustrations usually (laughs) so i did what made it work you did what makes it work. We're both going to answer what will make it work going forward. And I'm going to, I'm going first because I'm going to steal, okay. maybe I'll steal your you answer. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say for what will make it work going forward, um, you know, as we explore parenthood, as we explore, explore just being in a relationship for even longer, possibly buying a house, those different things coming up in the next few years. What will continue to make it work is uh, being each other's biggest confident confidants, that support. Uh, I am unashamed at how confident I am in my ability at work or getting stuff done or like I, like I love this phrase, shucking and jiving, just like making something work, 
figuring it out. Um, and so I'm always keyed up with confidence. And so when Sarah makes a decision or wants to make a decision, me supporting her in that decision is uh, empowering. And that is going to create an even bigger bond when she's doubtful about something, but I give her confidence that she can do it. And then she does it successfully. She can look back and know that, hey, there were these obstacles in the way, but he was there for me, supporting me. And that it all ended up being okay. Or at the end of the day, it's this task, this task, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't go great, but you should do it anyway. Just like I tell her about posting to social media. She's like, should I post that? I'm like, well, zero people like it now because they don't even know it exists. So if you post it, at least one person will like it. And that would have made an impact more than it would just sitting in your drafts folder on your phone. So I think support that um I don't know what no being being a confidant to each other I think that that's important because Sarah's always pushing me and encouraging me and I noticed I I thought of that what will make it work because Sarah wasn't a big fishing person before we started dating she's kind of just grown and lived through this time of me getting into the industry and then being a uh a bigger facet and then having the passion that I do for it. She sees the passion that I have for it and that gives her passion for it. And she goes to the classic. She sees this happen. She supports that and she wants this, you know, all those different things. And I think that that makes me work harder for my wife, which then allows me to push her to work hard for me. And I think that's the biggest thing is you can be goal centric for yourself yet completely and utterly fully support what the other person's doing, um, knowing that they also have you in mind. That's the biggest thing. You could be goal-centric, you could be doing your own path, but don't don't ever feel that they're doing it to go away from you, that they're trying to get their path to go away from you. Rather, they're trying to make their goals work so that your paths can intertwine forever and, and give you that freedom. So that's what I will say is is continued support in whatever we do because at the end of the day, we know we've been through financial struggles. We've been through times and we've came out of them. We see how God provides for us when you're when you're faithful and loyal and, and hardworking for each other. Um, so I'm not scared of I'm not scared of anything um, because I know that I have your support and you have mine. Yeah. You said my words a minute ago and mine would be passion or the act of being passionate it Ronnie's a very passionate person if you've ever talked to him <laughs> and I think in the past few years I've grown in he was saying like that individual goal-centric finding my passion of in line of work but being passionate as a marriage and being passionate in your job and it kind of goes along with yours I guess but just being able to exude that passion in everything you do and a lot of that encompasses um Ronnie and I are kingdom oriented people in every aspect of our marriage and every aspect of our job every aspect of just our walk in life and I think a reminder in that is being passionate in that so that we can be passionate in other areas to continue to grow our marriage and our um acts of service and in our careers those would probably be, my, that would be mine. 
Good. I know those are kind of look. It looks more on the same page. We're on the same page. Oh, you copied look at my that. test. Yeah. I gave you my answers, and you're supposed to switch them up a little bit, but you barely. I'm so did. sorry. The teacher's gonna catch us. Uh, we're getting to 47 minutes on this. Yeah, guys, deal, we could talk forever. So sorry. Which which is fine. This is it's free. People can listen to it if they want to. <laughs> There's somebody listening right now, and we appreciate it. But uh, to kind of wrap it up, what is something? What are you doing? Yeah. My wife is taking her <laughs> finger up and down her face right through the center, and I have no idea if I have something on my face or no. what she's saying. So I will say, uh, what is something that Ronnie needs to improve on uh, as a husband? I'm cool if you. I'm cool if you say oh, it. Don't, it doesn't matter to me on here. I have my 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 positives and my negatives. But what would you say that I try to do as much as I can? I try to I, I spread myself as thin as possible um, to be able to do all the tasks to the best of my ability. Sometimes things fall short. So what would you say as someone who knows me better than anybody else, something that Ronnie needs to get better at um, overall, whatever, okay. whatever, marriage, if I'm – well, I'll call myself out. I don't do the dishes nearly like I should. And so accountability time. I don't like doing the dishes. And we don't have a dishwasher, so yeah. we hand wash them. So we are that's very tough. That's very tough. Um. So what would you say, whether it's whatever it is? Well, you said marriage first, so I'm going to say specific to marriage. She's got two things I need to improve on, y'all. Uh-oh. No, no, no. I would say in marriage... Ronnie Moore is an amazing 30,000 feet thinker. That's not my strong suit, so I love that about him. But sitting down and looking at what is currently around you and what can in this moment help our marriage, our home, Sarah's life, I'd say that's probably mine. Does that make sense or do I explain more? Well, I don't I don't I we don't have a live chat going if they understand. I know, that. I know. But I'm I, asking you. <laughs> I feel like I understand uh, whether it's undivided attention uh, in a in a specific moment or she's probably because... referencing her hair rubs that I don't always take the time <laughs> no. to pay attention and do that. No. But, it's no, because I, I you're it. a – it's because Ronnie is such an amazing thinker for future happen and he works in this world of social media and technology and you're always having to be kind of on and you're always having to think – past what the next person's going to do and so you which i'm pretty dang when which we watch he's tv amazing like, i can almost tell you what's gonna happen yes next. he's such a strong <laughs> suited person in that gift but the like right now sitting on the couch looking at what's around you and thinking about okay how can i help this situation whatever it may be right now that's my answer well good so what can sarah do? i'm one no, that's not. Oh no. This is my podcast. Oh, this is okay. my podcast. He'll tell me after. No, Don't worry, guys. No, I uh I I actually have, have one question for Ronnie Moore. This okay. is his podcast, but I'm gonna hijack it. So what is your favorite thing about being a husband? All the people wanna know. My favorite thing about being a husband. Specifically to Sarah. Specifically <laughs> to Sarah. Well, I've never been a husband to somebody else, so that's that's you're the only experience I have of being a husband too. Um, 
my favorite part about being a husband is having others acknowledge how cool or how awesome your wife is in whatever it is. Uh, you asked me today in the truck, am I a good friend? And I'm like, you're the best friend. Not only to me, but to just every single girl that you come in contact with that you've created a relationship with. You are genuine as they come. You work hard. You take time in the middle of your day to think about someone and reach out to them. And I think it's super cool as a husband when other people come and talk to me. Your wife is so fantastic. Your wife is so awesome. I'm like, you don't have to tell me. Like I, I know her more than you do, and yes, she is. So I'd say that's my favorite thing about being a husband is seeing others and how much they love you and at times feeling unworthy of your love. Like, why does she love this person is amazing? Why does she love me? But I'm just happy to see that. And I'm, I'm happy that I get to share uh, you with other people, whether it's the community, whether it's the church, you get to be who you are at home, but you do that out in public as well. You're the that's my biggest thing that we preach. I am the same person on social media as I am in my marriage with Sarah, as I am with my guy friends, as I am by myself. Like I try to be the same Ronnie Moore. It's never a facade. I'm the same person. And I'll honestly say that Sarah is is the same person as well. And I think that's why that's your own built-in accountability. If you start trying to be too many people, you're going to you're going to mess up and someone's going to catch you being in the wrong persona. And uh we all have our faults. We all have our times that we mess up and stuff, but Sarah is fantastic and your caring heart. You can't hide that and you can't duplicate it. You just live it in different aspects of life and and it shows. Um so I think that that's satisfaction of looking and, and knowing that my wife is fantastic. It's always been our entire life whenever we take Sarah places. Oh, you're Sarah, Ronnie's wife. Nice to meet you. And now at my own stinking church, the one I started going to first, I moved to Little Rock five, four months. Four, no, June's June's the sixth month of the year, and I moved in February. So four four months I was going to this church four months before Sarah moved here. She starts going to church here. Then she starts working at the church. And now it became, oh, you're Sarah's husband, Ronnie. And so now I'm introduced as, yes, I'm <laughs> I'm Sarah Moore's husband. And they're like, oh, I love your wife. And I'm like, I know. I, I appreciate it. You don't have to tell me that because I already know. And if you didn't love her, it's not a her problem. It's a you problem. So <laughs> cue all the tears. That was very sweet. That's uh, That's something, you know. Other than there's so many different things. There's so many, like, she's my biggest cheerleader. Um, she is just as spunky as I am sometimes. She'll call me on my crap, and I appreciate that. Um, and she lets me be me. That's the biggest thing. A lot of wives, I, I notice, try to change who their husband is and not embrace the positives of who he is because everyone's going to have negatives of who they are. Sarah, for the longest time, was her biggest opposition she was always you know self-loathing or her self-confidence wasn't there so she was almost holding herself back I was able to notice that and instead of just like getting mad at her I would just pump her full of self-confidence and just be like no you are great at that 
Like you were smart. Tell people you were smart. You're not just an athlete. You're not just whatever. So that's uh, that's super important is don't change who your husband is. She still lets me go fishing. I get to share that with her. She gets to go with me. Um, but she doesn't have to go with me for me to enjoy it. She she just lets me go. And, and I try to, on the other side, the flip side of that, I try to understand that she is at home allowing me to do this. And so I'll go out for three or four hours to just – I could go an hour and a half away to a better lake, but I'll stay close to a smaller lake that might not be as good because I'm only fishing half the day so I can get home and, and spend the rest of the day with her. So balance. It's very difficult. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I'm super glad. We're going to do some more of these. Maybe they won't all be 56 minutes long, but they will be uh, some aspects of it because I think that's one of the bright spots of my life is being a married person and having the, a ring on my finger to someone like Sarah. Uh, I appreciate her more than anything. And I wouldn't be where I am probably without her support and pushing me to do these different things and putting up with me not being there or physically being here, but mentally somewhere else because I'm working you know, from afar, things like that. So I appreciate her. Right back at you, um, Dog. I love you. Love you. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I hope this helped. If you guys ever have any questions about marriage, about dating, that's the weirdest, most awkward thing for a stranger to ask another. But we're here. Always feel free to reach out and message us um, because it's all a work in progress. Um, we're all working hard to figure it out. We are working hard. There's no surefire blueprint for it. So. Make marriage what you'd, what you'd have it. Um, keep the other person in mind. Same thing for dating. And uh, that's just a little bit of insight and hours worth of insight into our lives. But now you know us a little better. Hopefully you trust us a little more. <laughs> and uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts I've done so far. 57 minutes worth of relationship talk with my wife. That was episode 15 of Cast a Podcast. Had nothing to do with bass fishing, but it had to do something with uh, with me and what I care about, and that's what this is about. So catch you all at episode 16. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Say bye, Sarah. See you guys.